Uh, repeat after me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Who is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He sent it into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, God's holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. It's so memorized somewhere. All right. Hey, um, if this is your first time here, maybe your first time here in a long time, um, and you're like, why did we just do that together? Uh, that, that's everything we believe. We just kind of covered it in one prayer. So if you're like, hey, what do they believe in Epic? That's, that's it. So awesome. Well, I'm excited for us to continue in our series. Jesus said, what? Tonight. Um, but before we do, uh, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have a comfort food? Like, I'm not talking about what you're going to order at Taco Bell tonight. I'm talking like your mom, your dad, your grandma, your aunt, like their blood, okay, maybe not their blood, but like their sweat and tears go into this meal. And like, it just makes you feel better, right? All right. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. We're going to all participate. Ask a friend. All right. I want you to keep your hand up if that meal involves chicken. I thought so. Keep your hand up if that meal involves a grill or a deep fryer or a smoker. Okay, Michael's going to say yes for all of them. Great. Uh, keep your hand up if it involves pasta. Anybody in the house of pasta? You're my people. Okay. All right, you put your hands down. So my all-time um, comfort food ever is uh, my mom's lasagna. It is the best lasagna in the entire world. Uh, Okay. Uh, and here's why. Because not we don't go to like Publix or Walmart and buy a jar of sauce. No, 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 no. We make our own sauce. And it's the kind of sauce that like cooks for hours and hours and smells so good in the house. Uh, so we have the sauce. We have noodles that my Nana hand makes. Come at me, bro. We're Italian and proud. Uh, so my, yes. I don't know why we're clap, clapping, but yay, Nana. Okay. Um, so this sauce, you have the handmade noodles, tons of, way more cheese than you could ever need, and it is, it is heaven in a plate. Like, it's just the best meal of all time. I have taken said lasagna as my carry-on on a plane before. It's that good. You laugh, but, like, when I'm eating in my seat on the plane and you're eating a little biscuit and, like, half a drink of Coke, who, who's laughing now? Okay? Okay. Uh, but that's like my all-time favorite comfort food. I live 10 hours away from my family. Um, and so sometimes I miss them and I try to recreate uh, said dish. It's never the same, but it does make me feel better because uh, when do carbs let us down? Never. So um, I, I love that. And uh, I started thinking this week kind of about like, okay, we have comfort food, but like a lot of us have comfort outfits, right? It's that hoodie that like is the hoodie. Like you own 64 hoodies, but you wear one, right? Some of you have it on right now. Um, you know, you're like, this is my hoodie. This is where I feel at peace. 
Um, some of you have a pair of sweatpants that you will never part with. Your mom will have to throw them away when you're not at the house, right? Uh, some of you guys have a pair of shoes that, like, those are your favorite shoes of all time. There's no padding left in them, but they have perfectly formed to your feet. Uh, and you are like, these are the greatest shoes of all time. Uh, and I think we all, have, we all have our comfort thing, right? When you're little, it's like a teddy bear uh, or like an animal of some kind. When you get a, when you, Barney? Monkey, okay. I had Barney, so I was like, yes. Um, I even saw the movie. Okay, anyways, God bless you. Um, so we, we all have our comfort things. We have things that make us feel better. Um, and as, as we get older, uh, those things kind of change. And tonight, as we continue to look at what Jesus had to say, uh, there's a character quality about Jesus that I think is pretty consistent throughout all of Scripture. And it's that Jesus could not care less if we're comfortable. He, he just couldn't. Uh, because he calls us to do some really hard things that, that aren't comfortable. And tonight is no different. And so if you brought your Bible, or you didn't sit on that little piece of paper or turn it into a swan yet, um, go ahead and go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Um, and if you don't have either of those, I think we have it on the screen. Awesome. So here we go. Verse 24. Oh, wrong chapter. All right. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I am so encouraged. Amen. Have a good night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> right? It's not exactly like the most feel-good scripture. Like, there's some scriptures when I'm having a bad day that if I read them, I'm like, you know what? Today isn't so bad. Like, it's going to be okay. But this is probably not one of them. Uh, in fact, if you look a couple verses before this, Jesus is, is teaching and, and his disciples are gathered around and a whole bunch of other people. And it's kind of awkward. Jesus is talking to them and telling them, that one day uh, he's, in fact, going to be killed. One of his disciples is like, no, you won't. And then Jesus calls him, like, Satan. He's like, get behind me, Satan. Um, really awkward moment in their friendship, right? Like, if I called you Satan tonight at Taco Bell, you'd be like, Pastor Amber, something is really wrong with you. Um, and after Jesus says this to, to Peter, he then says, if you want to be my disciple, uh, this is what you got to do. You have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross, and you have to follow me. And uh, the disciples here, sometimes we think it's just the 12 dudes that just kind of follow Jesus around. Sounds a lot creepier if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, but like, there were 12 guys who were just committed to following Jesus and learning his ways and practices. But that day, that invitation wasn't just to them. In fact, it was to everyone there, man, man and woman alike. And so Jesus is saying to these guys, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you don't want to just like go to my church or like know stuff about me or have posters of me on your wall, this is what you got to do. And a, a disciple is someone who imitates their teacher. So Jesus is saying, if you want to not just learn from me, but be like me, these are the requirements. And here's what's so cool. Jesus tells us these things knowing how hard they are, right? Like he's not just like, hey, you guys do this really hard stuff and I'm going to be the Lord. No, like Jesus was a great leader because he was a great follower of the Father, Everything Jesus did, he did because he heard the Father say it. So when he tells these guys these things, he's like, listen, I already know what it's like to do these, some of these things. So, so what does this mean? It's 2018. What does it look for, like for you and me to live out these three key components 
of being a disciple. So if you're taking notes tonight, which you should, because people who take notes go to heaven first. It's a fast pass. You get to skip the line at the gate. You just, you're like, hey, these are my notes from Epic, and they let you write, write in the gate if you make it. Okay. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. All right. So just kidding. All right. We'll talk later. Okay. So here are the three commands uh, that, that Jesus gives us. Uh, if you're taking notes, number one, deny yourself. Doesn't that sound fun, right? Deny yourself. Awesome. Um, so this summer, uh, I, I've been watching uh, a lot of things on TV and been studying a lot about um, health. Amber, you're so skinny. Thank you. Um, but I really have been trying uh, to look into more, more stuff about my health. I'm drinking a lot more water, uh, which is really awful. Thank you. Uh, listen, I will take those. Thank you. Um, you are the best. I'm never leaving, ever. Um, so I've been drinking a lot more water. I've been eating more things that are green. Um, I've been drinking just as much coffee, but there's water in coffee, so we're good. Um, and as I was studying about health, I read about something called the Whole30. Here's what the Whole30 is. If it doesn't walk around, if it doesn't swim, if it doesn't grow from the ground, or from like a tree or a bush, you can't eat it, okay? So no processed foods. Half of the things that you ate during small group don't count, okay? Meat, fish, like vegetables, fruits, that's it, okay? No carbs, nothing. Um, and so I, here's my thing. When I'm going to start a diet like this, I get myself super hyped up, right? I buy a new water bottle. I have 18 water bottles at my house. Um, I buy a new water bottle. I buy like a gold t-shirt. I'm like, man, when I like hit this mark, I'll be able to wear this shirt and I'll feel awesome. Um, and so I started it and I killed it. I did a whole three days of the whole 30. Thank you. Because that junk is hard to not eat bread. Who does that? Crazy people. That's who doesn't eat bread. Um, I'm just kidding. If you don't eat bread, that's awesome. Teach me. Um, but I can't do it. And here's what got me, right? It wasn't chocolate. It wasn't ice cream. No, I'm at stinking Publix, minding my own business, going to buy some Brussels sprouts, because new month, new me. And I'm pushing my cart through the pro to get to the produce section, and these heathens are baking bread. I'm like... <laughs> That's, I know that smell. I miss it. And a tear comes to my eye. I'm not lying to you. One tear. I feel it right here. I'm like, I remember bread. It was so good to me. It tastes so good. And then like the healthy me is like, no, Amber, stay on task. Right? Because uh, apparently I'm an angry Russian woman when I'm healthy. Um, and so I'm like, no, I got this. I got this. And I'm like going back to the, the produce and I'm walking through and um, I look up and I'm like, I kind of have to walk through the bakery to get to the cash register. So like if some bread got in my cart, no big deal, right? Accident. Uh, no, no. Um, so I'm, I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need it. I don't need it. And I find my cart gravitating towards the rolls. Not like a piece of cake. No. Uh -uh. I bought two rolls in a plastic bag and I was so proud of myself. And I went to the cash register, and I promise you I look like a crazy woman leaving the Pelham Publix because I'm eating a roll, just like eating bread as much as I could in my mouth. Because um, denying yourself the things you like is really hard, right? Uh, if you've ever had an experience like that, you know it's difficult. But Jesus isn't talking about cutting carbs, 
and processed foods, although he probably wouldn't be a huge fan, I guess. Uh, Instead, Jesus is telling us that if you want to be my disciple, then you have to deny yourself. So, So what does it look like for you and me to deny ourselves, right? If it's not doing a diet, what does it look like? I think it's as simple as this. I think it's when you lovingly and patiently deal with things that annoy you. That kid who kicked your seat on the bus today, over and over and over and over, and you plotted his death in your seat. Instead of turning around and asking him what his issue is, it's it's responding in love. It's that little brother or sister that constantly gets on your nerves. But instead, you decide to deny what you like, and you, you want to look like Jesus. And you, you love your brother or sister because you know they had a really hard day at school. Part of denying yourself, I think, is when people at your school maybe make fun of you or mock you for, for going to church or being a part of Epic or why are you so into Edge and why is that such a big deal to you? And instead of getting mad and defensive, you go, man, it's just a, a really big deal to me. I wish you would come and be a part. Denying ourselves is when we're content with any meal, with any amount of money that we have, any clothing, any climate, any society, any, any part of that is dying to ourselves. It's choosing not to buy another pair of jeans when you have four other pairs of jeans that look just like it in your closet, and instead actually tithing instead of ignoring us when we talk about the offering. I love y'all, but it's true. Uh, Sometimes denying ourselves is, is giving up that extra Zaxby's meal so that you can bless somebody on the way to school in the morning and buy an extra biscuit and just say, hey, Jesus loves you, and I, and I think you're awesome, and I just wanted to give this to you. I think part of denying ourselves is, is that when we have conversations, we don't have to make ourselves seem better than we are. Like, like I'm going to let you in on an awesome secret. You are already incredible. Like, you're made in the image of God. Who you are is fantastic. I had, uh, I had lunch, no, I had dinner with a friend a couple nights ago. And I love this friend. She's, she's a great person. She's awesome. But she talked about herself for the whole two hours we were out to eat. And I love her. I really do. But, like, after two hours, you're like, please, anything else, right? Like, like let's talk about fish. Let's talk about the environment. Like, let's talk about um, Mancala. Like, that's a really fun game. I like to play Mancala, right? Like, you're like, let's talk about anything else. But we live in a world that, that wants... Nobody likes Mancala? Okay, thank you. Golly. Um, if you don't know Mancala, we're going to play one night. Okay. It's my boyfriend. It's a board game. <laughs> All right, guys, we we live in a world where sometimes we feel like we have to post every awesome thing we do and tell everyone every great part about us. But part of denying yourself is is putting other people above you. It's saying, hey, you know, like, I think you're great. It's not having to tell everybody every awesome thing you've done, but instead knowing that God sees you. And when you see your friend or, or someone you know have an opportunity or get a scholarship or they get to have this amazing experience, instead of getting jealous and being like, I can't believe she gets to do that and why didn't I, you know, sometimes we play these games in our mind. And instead of getting mad or jealous, denying yourself looks like, hey, I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad you get this opportunity. I want every girl to listen to me real fast. Stop competing and empower each other. 
I want every dude to listen to me. You're already awesome, so stop competing. You are incredibly strong, awesome men of God. Like, be who you are. We, we try to compete. We try to be somebody else. Like, like God loves you. He loves who you are. So, so stop trying to compete and make yourself better than everybody else because you're already awesome. And also, I think part of denying yourself is when you have people in your life, when you have small group leaders who, who give you correction or who, who tell you something and, and you go, you don't even know me, right? Like, get out of my business. You don't know me. Instead of getting mad at them, it's going, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to respect and honor what you said because maybe it's true. Uh, a couple of summers ago, I had the opportunity with some people in this room uh, to go to Orlando and work a micro for Microsoft. It sounds way more impressive than it is, I assure you. Um, and one day, uh, towards the end of our Microsoft conference we were working, we'd been there about two weeks, and uh, one of the last things we had to do was there's a room in this convention center, and we had to load 3,000 people into the room, like not with a forklift, but like help them get in there without running each other over. And uh, it was really cool and all, and uh, we're getting ready to start, and our supervisor, uh, he, you know, he was trying real hard, okay? Bless him. Um, he goes, hey, who's Amber? And I raised my hand, and this other girl raises her hand, and I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe it wasn't me. Um, but then I started to realize, like, this girl's younger than me, and she got a big old attitude, uh, bigger than mine, and I was like, surely they did not mean her. And uh, so the guy's like, okay, great, and he tells the other girl, she's like, he's like, you're in charge. I was like, oh, help us, Lord. Uh, and so she starts, like, barking orders at us. She's like, you're going to stand over there, and you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I just found myself, like, I wish I told you, could tell you I handled this with so much love and grace. Um, I was ticked, right? <laughs> like, I'm mad. I remember I talked to, like, Lucas and, and Jordan Harvey. I was like, I can't believe her. Can you believe this girl? Like, she's 18 years old, and you tell me what to do, and I'm, like, 25. Like, and I was so mad about it. And I was like, I'm so mad all right? And, um, those were all nice words. And uh, so I go to my post, and part of working for Microsoft is you can never point, because pointing in other cultures is rude. So you always point with your whole hand. Um, and so we were standing there telling people, like, to go. So you have your hand out like this, and you're like, right? Like, you're smiling and stuff. And I remember all week I tried so hard to smile, and I was like, Right? And I'm just standing there, and the longer I'm there, the more mad I'm getting. I'm like, we could have handled this so much better if I had been in charge, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I remember this girl comes up to me afterwards. Um, I actually got put in charge halfway through, uh, and I realized I had no clue what I was doing, and they did get the wrong Amber. Um, I was supposed to be in charge, and the Lord realized I wasn't ready. And the girl came up to me, and she actually apologized. She said, hey, I I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to take your take your job and, and to take your spot. Um, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to be a better leader, and I realized I didn't do a good job, and I was like, me either. Like, I totally just blew it, you know? Um, I was like, I'm sorry I didn't follow you well. So even when you don't think people are right, denying yourself looks like honoring them and going, hey, this might be the most difficult way to organize chairs in the entire world, but, like, this is how you want it done, so I'm going to honor you and do it this really difficult way. Denying yourself, guys, looks nothing like the picture of success or leadership that you and I would find uh, if we were to walk into a Books a Million or Barnes & Noble tonight. We looked at all the leadership books and all the success books, and they all talk about, like, like just be on your grind and just hustle and, and, and just push people down, and you will win, and you will succeed, and you'll have all the money and all the stuff. But instead, 
if we want to look like Jesus, if we want to grasp this whole thing of being a disciple, amen, we just have to deny ourselves. But Jesus doesn't stop at denying ourselves, right? He takes it one step further. So if you're taking notes, we have to learn to deny ourselves, and then we have to take up our cross. Um, I remember when I first started coming to church, I thought this meant I should go to like Home Depot or Lowe's, buy a bunch of plywood, right? I'm going to carry a big old cross around on my back and show everybody how spiritual I am. And uh, while that would be an interesting exercise, um, uh, it probably would really be impactful on my life. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. But, but sometimes we make the cross this thing like that's on top of buildings or like uh, we wear it on a necklace or our wrappers wear it and it's like super blinged out. And you're like, I think that's a cross. Like it's just hurting my eyes. Um, we, we see crosses on posters and on different things. But most importantly, the cross represents Jesus' death and not just his death, but his resurrection. And uh, <clears throat> we, we talked about this verse, how Jesus had people gathered around and he was teaching them. And when that day started, he had told them that he was going to die. And um, I don't think that they were uh, really shocked by this, like the people sitting there, like, duh, Jesus, everybody dies. Um, and I think if we were to have talked to them at this moment, they would have been like, yeah, Jesus is going to die, but like, he's going to have an awesome death, right? Uh, how many of you have seen Jurassic World? Anybody seen Jurassic World? All right, with that Montosaurus thing, like the girl's up there and it jumps up out of the water and eats her, like, you're like, oh, that's awful for you, but that's awesome, right? Um, or like if you're into war movies, like The Patriot or Braveheart, right? Or, or Gladiator, one of my all-time favorites, like, like Maximus, like it's going to be this awesome moment. And people are going to be like, Jesus, Jesus, and it won't be at Winter Jam, right? And all these people are going to celebrate this awesome moment, and Jesus is going to defeat darkness, and then he'll die, and it'll be awesome. And they'll be like, yeah, we knew that guy. But... As memorable as the disciples would have guessed it to be, because obviously we still talk about Jesus' death today, none of them would have picked out crucifixion. To them, crucifixion was not a victorious death. In fact, it was common to them. You see, hundreds of men had been crucified in that area not much earlier than when Jesus was telling them this. It had become a common way to kill people, and in history, uh, Jewish people had been crucified under the reins of, of these awful leaders and so when Jesus tells them, take up your cross, they, they don't see it as awesome. They saw these poor, sad people marching along the road with at least the cross, the thing that they were going to die upon, strapped to their backs, and then that's what they thought of it. To, the, to them, the cross meant that you're marching to your death, that you're moving towards the end of you. And, and for us, the, the cross kind of means the same thing. And when we, when we look at the, the cross and we take up our cross, we say, hey, there, there's part of me that gets to die because Jesus, because Jesus died for me. And because Jesus already died on the cross, instead of all of the old things and all the, the terrible, horrible things we did, instead we get to pick up what Jesus has purchased for us on the cross, which is love and forgiveness and freedom and redemption, which is all, like all these awesome things. And so the cross that you and I carry isn't a physical one that we're going to have to go and die on, but instead the cross you and I get to carry is everything that Jesus has done for us. Just as the cross you carry is your gospel, it's the story of what Jesus has done for you. It just doesn't stop there, right? It isn't just this thing 
thing that we do. We go, oh, yeah, I, I, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to follow him. And now i got to go to Hobby Lobby and buy all this stuff and make this really pretty cross. But instead, the cross we carry is taking the gospel of Jesus and what he's done in our life, the hope and the love and the forgiveness of the cross. We take it with us everywhere we go. When you get on the bus tomorrow morning, when you go to practice, when you're at school and it just feels like everything's against you, we carry it everywhere our lives take us. We become carriers of the message and the power of the cross. That's what it looks like to take up our cross. It's not forsaking what Jesus has done for us, but instead making it a part of who we are. So Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and here's the last thing he asks us to do. Follow me. So, so how do we follow Jesus, right? Uh, in 1997, okay, this is going to break my heart. If you were born after 1997, raise your hand. All right, and I'm officially old. Put your hands down before I cry. Okay. Um, back long ago, in a time before the internet was on your, in your pocket, okay, uh, where we played outside and talked to each other at meals. Yes, and the porch light came on. And, and we watched TV and had to wait for the next episode to come out the next week. These were the dark ages. Um, in 1997, uh, I was seven years old. Uh, I'll save you the math. I'm 28. Um, I was seven years old, and my family was going to go to Disney World. And we lived in New Jersey at the time, so we were hype, right? Like, we're so excited to go to Disney. We watched the VH... Okay, before DVDs, there were these things called VHSs. And it was, like a, um, it was like a rectangle with a ribbon in it. Yeah, there you go. There you, there you go. Uh, it had ribbon in it, and on that was the movie, okay? Uh, and you put that in this machine, and it was like... And uh, when you were done watching it, you had to put it in this thing called a rewinder. So the movie would go backwards. And if you didn't do that, if you rented a movie, they charged you more money. The Dark Ages. Okay, um... So we're so excited, me, my mom, my dad, and my little brother are going to go to Disney World for the first time. Um, none of you have met my mother. Um, okay, maybe a couple of you have. Uh, she's a very scary woman. She's like me, but without Jesus, so just imagine that. And uh, she's awesome. And uh, my mom is like a total type A personality. She had every, what time we were going to ride every ride, where we were going to eat, what we were going to do. But more than that, we had family safety conversations at, about Disney so I didn't get abducted. Try to take me, please. Um, but I remember like every time we talk about Disney, my mom would be like, and we're going to all stay together and walk together and go to the bathroom in separate stalls but leave together. Okay. Um, and I remember like I was kind of afraid to go to Disney because I was like, Goofy is going to abduct me. Like, Jafar is going to kill me. Um, this is, you laugh. I was afraid. Um, I knew that I had to stay with my parents. So it's like our third or fourth day at Disney, and we're at Magic Kingdom, and we just got off my favorite ride of all time, which is Space Mountain. Uh, it's awesome. And I had never ridden a roller coaster before, but I was really tall at seven, so they let me. And I remember I got out, and I felt like everything in my stomach wanted to come out of my body. 
Um, but it didn't, because I'm, I'm a G and uh, at seven, and I keep it inside. Uh, but I remember we, we got off the ride, and we're kind of walking through Tomorrowland, and my mom's like, huh, where's your dad? And I'm like, Jafar, right? <laughs> uh, Jafar got him. Uh, I, was, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And my mom starts freaking out. She's like, Darren, Darren! And he was really short at the time. Uh, and he's like, I'm right here, Mom. So uh, my mom has both of our hands gripped because uh, this was before child leashes. And um, she's holding our hands. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to rock you to your core. We didn't own a cell phone. So there were, we had pagers. But uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good times. And uh, so my mom's freaking out. She's like, where's your father? Where's your father? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, and she's like, where is Fred? Which is my dad's name. Um, she's like, where's Fred? I can't find him. Like freaking out. We get involved with the Disney security team, which is like a real thing. They put us in a horse and buggy. <laughs> Best ride ever. Um, and we're literally like on a horse in a carriage around Disney looking for my dad. And my mom's like, Fred! 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 <laughs> and uh, we find my dad. My dad is sitting on the side on this little, like, bench, and he's eating the biggest pretzel you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and um, my mom's like, Fred, Fred, Fred! <laughs> my dad's like, hey, I'm right, I'm just right here. <laughs> and uh, so we get out of the buggy or whatever, and um, I remember I just was like, Dad, you did not follow mom. Like, you're supposed to stay here and stay with us. But what does it look like to, to follow me, guys? Jesus isn't trying to scare us into staying with the group and to be afraid of Disney villains. Jesus is not afraid of Ursula. Amen. Good night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> instead, when Jesus extended this invitation to the disciples to follow him and to to follow him, it would have been considered an incredible honor. Religious teachers of that day would um, invite people to follow them and to be a teacher and an apprentice, or they could be an apprentice under them. And what that meant was that they were going to live with that rabbi for the next couple of years, that they were going to eat when they ate and, you know, uh, go to sleep when they went to sleep and, and ask them hard questions and learn everything they possibly could as they followed them. And where the, the rabbi went, the disciples went. And so they, they shared their rabbi's passions and beliefs. And, and as a rabbi, this is the kind of relationship that Jesus invited the disciples to experience. Jesus didn't want them to just know facts about him or um, have Jesus trading cards. But instead, Jesus said to all of them present, he said, follow me. He wanted them to learn his character. They wanted him them, he wanted them to learn his heartbeat, to learn who he was. And although you and I probably aren't going to ever get to physically walk the earth with Jesus in this lifetime, although that'd be awesome, and if you do, please come tell me, because um, I'm going to study under you. You'll be my rabbi. Uh, although we'll probably never get to do that, we do get the opportunity to learn his character, to learn God's nature and his heartbeat. And, and so how do we do this? Three quick thoughts, and then I'm going like, to uh, invite you to prayer. How do, how do we follow Jesus? How do we learn his character? The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. We, we learn it through reading his word. If you want to know who Jesus is, who God is, what he's about, what his voice sounds like, 
what, what he's passionate about, what breaks his heart. You can find it in here. As much as I love Chinese food, it's got nothing. This fortune cookie's got nothing on what's in here. If you want to learn who Jesus is, read this book. Don't read the chapters that have all the names and all the baby daddy lists. Like, read the Gospels. Okay? You can skip over those. You can read them when you're older. But learn who he is. Here's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Thank you, Bethany. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. They're the fruits of the Spirit. That's what God's like. He's full of love, and he's full of joy. He's not an angry Dumbledore waiting for you to mess up. Instead, he's full of peace and love and forgiveness and kindness. The second way we learn who Jesus is, how we follow him, is through being in community. I'm so happy that every person in this room is here tonight. Literally, like if we have never had a conversation, I'm so happy you're here. Because it's so important for us to be a part of community. When I uh, started following Jesus at 17, uh, I went to church and it was awesome and I was a part of an awesome youth group. But it was part, being part of a small group is the reason I think I'm standing in front of you today. It was because I was around a group of girls that, that were my age and older that encouraged me and pushed me towards Jesus and helped me when I messed up and when I fell down. And they said, hey, get back up. God has more for you. If you're not coming regularly, man, it's so important that you do. We, we learn who Jesus is through community. We see him in each other. I have uh, friends in my life and, and awesome people in this room who I see Jesus in, and they encourage me to look more like him. And the third way we learn to follow Jesus and learn to know who he is, and this might sound weird, but I think it's true, it's through trial and error. If you think that you're like, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. I had this awesome moment at Beach Freak, and, uh, and now everything in my life will be perfect forever. I'm so sorry someone has lied to you. We, we learn who Jesus is through trial and error. We learn how to hear his voice and, and through, like, God, was that you? Maybe, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I missed it, maybe I didn't. But I think as we wrestle with who God is in our lives, we get a clearer picture of who he is. Everybody look at me. Jesus is crazy about you. You're going to have doubts sometimes, and you're going to wrestle with things. Don't push Jesus away. But instead go, hey, I don't really know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on. And I'm going to embrace this following me thing. I'm going to embrace Jesus. So tonight, um, as we close, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. And it's super simple. I'm just going to ask uh, Daniel to put on some music, and if small group leaders will come to the front. And uh, I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I, I just have two, two simple thoughts tonight as we move to prayer. Um, I know it's very awesome that we have great small group leaders and you love watching them walk to the front. But uh, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Everybody, everybody, close your eyes, bow your head. And I'm just going to ask you two questions tonight. Because I think sometimes we can feel God moving in, in our hearts and in our souls, but we don't know, um, we don't know how to put words to it. So tonight, if you're in here and you would say, Amber, uh, I heard you talk about denying yourself. I heard you talk about taking up your cross. If I'm honest, uh, I've just been kind of going through the motions. I come to church, I do this thing, but um, I, I don't know what it's like to, to live life like that, but I feel like tonight that God's inviting me to live a different kind of life. Oh, one is his disciple. If that's you with nobody looking around, 
You just, I just want you to slip up your hands. You don't have to lift it high. Yeah, all over the room, in the back, on the sides, yeah. Yeah. If you raise your hand for that uh, in just a second, I'm going to invite you to come forward and pray with your leader. That's a huge choice. And the second question I want to ask tonight is this, is if you're in here and you would say, Amber, uh, I've been to church, or maybe this is your first time, but I have never truly decided to follow Jesus. I, I've heard messages and I've done things like this, but tonight I really think that this Jesus is for me. I don't have it figured out, but I, I know I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You can just slip your hand right back down. Awesome. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And here, here's what we're going to do. It's super simple. And just a second, I'm going to pray. And then if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't or maybe you wanted to and you didn't, uh, your leaders are here. We want to pray with you. So uh, as I'm praying, just make your way up here. Uh, you can bump into me. It's not a big deal. Like, it's not sacred. Uh, so uh, as I pray, just make your way to the front and I invite you to find your leader. So Jesus, we thank you tonight. God, we thank you that you invite us to be disciples. God, that you invite us, God, to deny ourselves. God, to take up our cross and to follow you. So Jesus, I pray that you would, God, push us. God, push us past what's comfortable. God, push us past the, the fried chicken of our walk with you. And God, into the harder things. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that there's always more with you. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, hey, if you're not praying, I'm going to ask you to just be quiet.